0: Welcome to the 10 Laws Podcast with East Forest. I'm East Forest. Thanks for joining me. I'm back here down in Boulder, Utah. And today I have a conversation to share with you with uh, Caitlin Aurelia Smith, who is just an amazing composer and musician. I'm so honored and happy to be able to get a chance to talk to her. If you haven't heard her music, definitely go check it out. It's uh, largely painting with the colors of analog synthesis, which is a really hot thing right now with a lot of musicians because it's a lot of fun but it's also it's its own unique way of making music that to me at least is kind of complicated and technical and she makes it so beautiful and organic so definitely dive in her space because she's doing it completely on a next level and then when we got the talk it's such a cool way of exploring like how she creates in general and the root of where that comes from turned out to be uh, really, really beautiful in itself. And I don't want to spoil it, but it has a lot to do with listening. And she does a great job at describing that. You'll hear a little wind sound in the background. We ended up doing this one on the phone while she was in L.A. And, um, but it's okay. You know, She was out there getting the beautiful, warm ocean winds of Los Angeles. And uh, that's what you're hearing in the background. So actually, for me, I'm just about to start the East Forest Retreat the fall retreat that we're doing here in Boulder, Utah at the Boulder mountain guest ranch that starts in just a couple days. And I'm looking forward to it. The weather's looking really nice. It's, it's that turning point, you know, where it's, it's warm, but actually on this weekend, I can see it, it's shifting into that snappier colder space. And that's one thing I like about this time of year here and doing the retreat right now is that we're on that transitional space. And it's right near, we just had the Equinox, which is about exactly the same thing, you know? Being in that liminal middle ground where things are in a, a balance, a state of repose, a space between the breaths, and then the next thing. And so I'll tell you more about after the retreat, after it happens. Also, I just want to mention that the Grammy voting period, for those of you out there who are Grammy voting members um, or know someone who's a Grammy voting member like those are a lot of different musicians and people in the industry can be that uh, It basically just means you're allowed to vote and we have submitted the Ramdas record for best album in the new age category So this is a time where people get to vote on which albums will be nominated I think it's they nominate in you know, around four or five per category So if you want if you want to help this process if you're a voting member, thanks for the consideration and if you want to reach out to any of your friends who are in that music world, just let them know that the Ramdos record is out there. And if they want to vote for it to be nominated in the new age category for best album, please do. That would be super rad. Thanks for helping get the word out. And then also, um, tomorrow, which would be Wednesday the 25th, 2019, depending on when you're listening to this, we're going to release a video for the Ramdos album that we've, been wanting to share with you for a long time and I actually recorded a video giving you some more background about what the hell has been going on with this because there's been a lot of struggle in the background and basically what's happened is uh, we hired a director David Altabelli, who's done a lot of really amazing videos for um, lots of artists um, anything from Tame Paula to Siguros and Washed Out and, and Sia and lots of amazing stuff and we wanted to make a video, yes, our PR company was really pushing us to make something very current and kind of edgy and you know, something that was that was art. And then they didn't they didn't want like quote new age fluff. <laughs> I was down with all that. So that's that's why we hired David and he's been making this video and he made a video for the song Home. He actually made three videos in the end. He was only hired to make one, but he did home and made like a, a triptych, like a trilogy. But the first one home was the one that's finished and we wanted to release first, but we had been having a lot of trouble getting it out. Why? Well, for those who know from the record, the song home is about Ram Dass's first experience with psilocybin, magic mushrooms. Now he credits it, you know, that awesome first line. He says, psilocybin is my friend. Psilocybin got him on the spiritual path. I mean, that's, that's a big deal, right? To to say that. And, I feel the same way. I had an experience that I've talked about on this podcast when I was 20, I was 20. And it was my first experience with psilocybin that was thankfully positive and very powerful. And it started me on my spiritual path. And I would not be where I am today talking to you on this podcast, doing the whole East Forest thing if it wasn't for that experience. So for some people, it's, it's it's a very helpful, powerful tool. And that's a story that Ram Dass obviously wanted to get out there by telling this story on the record. And he wants that out there for this time. And we're going through so much as a civilization and as a planet. You know, Terrence McKenna believed we needed some strong medicine, stiff hits like that. It's not for everybody, but for some of us, it may be critical that we need this as, a, as part of our arsenal and our tool, bet, and our, our me- tool belt, our medicine kit. So anyway, the PR company has been trying to find someone to show this video, premiere it, host it, hold it. And over 35 different places have been afraid to or turned it down or been too fearful or this reason or that reason. Essentially, they don't, they're afraid. It's coming from a place of fear. And after a while, I was like, why are we waiting for these gatekeepers to who don't want to tell, they don't, they don't want to get behind a new story. They're, and so I thought, well... Let's just put it out on our own and, and just tell you guys, look, we're just putting this out. And if you want to help us tell a new story, you watch the video and you can share it and we'll just share it on our own. That's how these things work. We just tell that new story on our own anyway. So it's essentially a video of three young, young youngsters, you know, adults, they are adults. They look quite young, but they're adults. They're young people. Sound like such an old fart. But they're doing uh, psilocybin, and they're bringing in a layer of intentionality and a layer of ceremony into it, and and an element of like, hey, we're going out of town to do this. They're doing it as I would imagine young people would, but bringing in this new story of it can be intentional, it can be thought, there can be thought behind it and heart behind it, and we can set ourselves up for success. And that's just a very simple, small meme that we wanted to put out into the world. Um, And just leave it at that. So instead of waiting for the gatekeepers to say yes, we're waiting for the gatekeeper to be you and me and to say yes by just sharing it on our own. And if you like, tell your own story about if plant medicines have played any role for you that's been helpful or positive in your life. It's helpful to speak that up and just start sharing something that's very sober and and the sober in a sense that it's grounded and it's not about just getting high. So, and there's you know infinite ways to get high, and but what I mean is there's infinite ways to God, and this is just another way back to the self. So thanks for the help, and you'll see that on social media if you want to check that out, or on my website eastforest.org/slash/video. Okay, so let's get into this uh, wonderful, beautiful conversation with Caitlin Aurelia Smith. grew up in Orcas Island, but you've made your way to L.A.?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I was just there um, a couple of weeks ago. I go back there every summer. And it's definitely my home and like where I plan to move wow. to in like a few years. But um, But I've been living in L.A. for about three years now.
0: So why would you go from Orcas Island to L.A. and you think you're going to go back to Orcas Island?
1: Um, well, I've kind of moved all over the place and I've lived in lots of different cities and different rural towns. And I was living in Bolinas, which is like a small um, beach town. And and then I decided to go to LA from Bolinas, um, mostly for work reasons and to have that feeling of being in a city, but but not quite fully in a city because it feels like you can just be up on a hillside and like tucked away here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, a lot of in-
0: hillsides. <laughs> yeah. It's just so interesting to me because, um, I've been, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I was actually on Galliano Island a couple weeks ago visiting a friend. they're so like, yeah. So I was just in that vibe and that space. And it's so different than of all places Los Angeles. And I'm just curious. Yeah. I know for me, even as an as just an artist, I guess there's a lot of connections and folks there, but I also feel like it'd be it's a challenging place to be. Like there's there's so much going on in the sprawl and, and kinda like the, the energy of that but is that something you you thrive on or you just see it as sort of uh, maybe a necessary place to be for now. Um I
1: definitely don't thrive on it but but I love the community of people that I know here, um, mm-hmm. a lot of friends from the Bay Area and people that I've known for a very long time live here, and um, and I live on the East Side in Glendale. And there's a lot of teachers here that um, that I've been working with. Um, so there's there's kind of a trade-off because there's resources here that I don't have on Orcas Island that that I'm kind of like thinking about it as like, I'm in school and then, and then I just make a point to go back to Orcas a few times a year and do like month long nature retreats.
0: Yeah. And you're, do you have family that still lives out on Orcas Island?
1: Yeah. My parents still live there.
0: So you grew up there?
1: Yeah. Since I was 10.
0: Wow. You know, I've, I've had a time where I was really into um, Iceland. And I went out there several times, and I really made some good friends out there. And I was always trying to figure out, you know, what it was in the water, so to speak, that made such a high concentration of artists and interesting music, such interesting people. And when I finally went out there, I felt like you, you could never escape the nature that was surrounding you. You know, even Reykjavik's not the biggest town. And so you're always kind yeah. of got this sense of being way up in the north and you can just feel the, the intense energy of the nature around you. And so I, I felt like that had something to do with the cultivation of talent on that island or just the human spirit in a way. And I, I would imagine growing up on Orcas Island, I've been there a few times. I mean, it's uh, a very slow paced, deeply seeped in nature, very wet, very green, surrounded by the ocean. You know, how did that affect your work and- who you are and stuff you do, which is an interesting mixture of like electronic, but yet very organic. And I've heard you speak about your connection to nature.
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard to say how um, how it affected it because it's hard to imagine not having that experience of being there growing up and learning. That's like where I learned how to listen. And, and I think just having the space listen and like to uh to really explore music without the pressure of of other um kind of like I don't know in the city you almost feel like you're like feeling everyone else's psychic space and sometimes it feels like I'm like I'm like I, I gotta get busy and like I have so much to do and and then when I think about it I'm like I actually have nothing that's like needing to be done right now. And I just feel like I'm busy because I'm in LA. <laughs> yeah. But, but the nice thing about, about Orcus is, is like you, there's space between everyone's homes. So you don't really feel that psychic energy. And so you really have the space to explore your own creativity. And, um, and I definitely feel like I've taken that space with me like that that like uh, the way you're saying it's like impossible to escape the nature there like I feel that even when I'm here it's like something that just like inside of me that feeling of comfort in that nature setting and whenever I start to feel separate from it that's when I am like I need to go back and
0: mm-hmm. and yeah. then
1: I just do and then it gets restored
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you said it taught you how to listen. I think that's a really interesting thing to point out. Um,
1: and I was looking at
0: your Instagram. Didn't you release, you made some kind of like cards or a little booklet that had to do with listening. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wrote a little book on listening and, and um, it comes with a deck of cards that is kind of a series of prompts for listening exercises. And um, I just have a really deep love of listening and um, it's, it's kind of how I learned how to make sound was just by sitting in nature and listening to all the sounds around me and, and just falling in love with how infinite it feels to just listen to the sounds within sounds within sounds. And, and that's really at the root of everything that, that I do. That's my inspiration.
0: How does that translate from listening to layers and seas of natural sounds like crickets, winds, ocean, um, all the incidental noises to translating that into analog synthesis? I mean, for the the average person, they're like, there's a leap there that, you know, of all the instruments you could play, why that? Like, why is that the one that helps you translate that thing that's your inspiration, which is nature and the sound of it?
1: Well, it wasn't so much a choice. It was just the thing that was in front of me and I, and I play other instruments and, um, and it's just been the one the most recently, like in the most recent years that has been in front of me. But, um, when I left college, I was actually intending to write for orchestras, but I just didn't have that as a resource. And, um, and I had a kind neighbor who lent me his synthesizer and that, and that just kept coming into my world, so that was that was and is the continued resource. But um, but it all starts with just like right before I make music, I just sit and listen inside and listen to the layers inside me, and then I make. The, I wait till the first one emerges, and and then I kind of intuitively choose which instrument is going to create that part or. Or more methodically, know which instrument's going to make that part, and then, and then again, sit back and listen for what the next part's going to be. Um, so I listen to, like, quote unquote, silence a lot, um, as I'm creating.
0: God, that's so beautiful. I, I mean, look, I should just get it out of the way. I should. Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of your music. I think what you do is just so stunning and uh unique
1: thank you
0: yes it's very singular but it's it's there's a complexity to it that um, it's very sophisticated and I really appreciate like kind of the boundaries you're pushing pushing with like the composition and the tones and and what you're doing and uh even on a technological level like you you did something a lot on one of your last records with your voice I've seen some stuff where it's sort of like microtoned and pitched in different directions and you sing, but there's like lots of layers of you singing, right yeah, um, which is cool and but and then I think to myself, I'm listening to you, I'm like, well, you can definitely sing, so I was like, what's the choice there to add in all those layers and manipulate the voice as opposed to your natural voice against what you're is it sort of a way to bring it into the world of the other sounds you're creating no it's
1: it's more. It's less about me and and more like what what it feels like matches the music and the composition. And then when I think about it from a personal place, um, I'm kind of always swapping and identifying with with like different ages, different genders, different, you know, like all different personalities. And and I don't always just identify with my straight voice when I hear it. Um, it kind of depends on which part of, of my psyche is, is like gathering the sounds. Um, so sometimes on albums, I'll just keep it my normal voice and sometimes I'll, I'll affect it. So it feels like it's a community of voices.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you say it's like 27 different layers? Yeah. With micro tunings going on? Yeah. What are you using to, to do that actual effect in real time?
1: Um, It's just something I made um, in Ableton, like a stack of different effects.
0: Okay. So, you know, I like to talk about sort of the music and the inspiration and kind of where it's all coming from, from a f- sort of philosophical standpoint. But I like to get into the weeds too, the gear and the tech, because it's just something I'm interested in myself as a performer. And I noticed that you have got your live set down to something relatively compact. And I, which I imagine is always a challenge. And I noticed for me, especially when you're flying places, um, is that something you, you enjoy the limitations and the challenge of that? Or is this sort of like, for me, it's, it's kind of always a, it actually makes decisions about what I can play and, because I'm just thinking about what I can travel with. It sounds really mundane, but it's a big part of um, performing in a way is the limitations of luggage.
1: Yeah, that's definitely how I think about it too. Especially the more and more I fly and the more and more uh, challenging the flying experience seems to be getting.
0: <laughs> I know. Then, I, know.
1: Um, I get smaller and smaller.
0: <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's hard to do. I mean, you have to think about like, you know, all the important things you want to bring as your carry on and then, you know, the whole TSA thing and then what you're willing to check and then how you're going to pack it and wait. Yeah. And 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 if you're traveling alone sometimes like, okay, I have to be able to transport this from like baggage to a car and things like that
1: and not
0: not go overboard.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. You've done a lot of um, different types of touring, I presume. And is that sort of, like your commitment to doing stuff like in real time, that's live or analog synthesis live on the spot versus the temptation of using tracks, which maybe are more reliable or you could set things up faster, but I'm assuming that's like something you're really committed to is keeping it live.
1: Um, I don't know if I'm, if I'm really committed to like any belief system in that it just kind of depends on the project. And, um, it's hard for me to say like, what I'll be thinking in the future and whatnot. But in general with music, I, t- I tend to just think about like, what will be the most impactful uh, way of expressing this and what will also be enjoyable for me and um, and, and alleviate uh, kind of like the brain from trying to, to follow things. Because um, I was really inspired by watching Ambira players when I was younger, and my brain just was so confused about trying to follow how their hands were making that sound that it like really felt healing because my brain had to just surrender and just listen, and and that's something that that I'm always thinking about for live performances. Is like, it's like how can I do this so that it can create that experience for people.
0: Does that have something to do with more with like the sound that's being created, or the way they see it being created, like the theatricality of it, or lack thereof?
1: You mean for Ambira?
0: Well, for you, like the, the, or, what you're, the, oh, the yeah, me. the result you're trying to make.
1: Um, I mean, it's one of those things, and I don't know if you relate to this, but the way that I tend to think about things is is I like go on walks and I put an intention out there, and then I just and then I just like create create it and it's not that I'm like consciously making it that way it's, it's just like planting that seed of like this inspired me and I hope that by feeding that inspiration into me it it like exports that <laughs> and and I think tell, it, tell me it more about I mean that. it changes from changes from like live set to live set because um, for each album I have a different live set and So the most recent one, um, the way it ended up doing it in hindsight was that I would always be um, patching for the next song as I was doing the current song. Oh my God. And like kind of doing the like chess mentality of like every time I make a move, I also make a move for the next thing. So it's like um, kind of preparing things that are going to come. And I think that made a lot of, um, people confused to watch (laughs) because like, I would like play something and then I would fade it up later. Um, and I think that that was like one way that it did it.
0: Wow. I mean, I think there are very few people who could really follow what you're doing up there anyway, but it's sort of like, you're saying you're creating things almost like more than one thing at once Mm -hmm. and you're bringing it up later because you're, and then while yeah. you're doing that, maybe you're doing something for the next track all at the same time.
1: Yeah, because there's actually a lot, of, a lot of space in when you're playing modular synthesis, synthesis or like synthesizers. Sorry, my brain uh, skipped that word. But um, there's a lot of in-between space. And, um, and so I was just thinking like, it'd be great to just fill this in-between space for, for like something that I need to do for the next song. And, and then I just had the modules organized in a way where I would create the patch for the first song on the far left. And like, as the set went on, I would like kind of do a, a set pattern of like where I would be changing the patch. I don't know if that makes any sense.
0: <laughs> it does. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of like, sometimes I do a lot of stuff where my feet are doing things with loopers and then my hands are doing things with pianos and knobs. And it often feels like the game of Twister meets Simon, you know? Yeah. And so rehearsal for me is just a lot about kind of getting that into my brain so that I don't really have to think about it too much anymore. You know, it's just kind of a flow. You can turn things and you're not thinking, you're not actually like the thinking part of you isn't working too hard. You can just be in the music space. Totally.
1: I know. And that's actually what I rely on more so than my brain in performance is like muscle memory, and, yeah. and I don't do that I don't do that many improvised sets I like I really like to practice something for a long time so that it becomes like a part of my muscles and then and then just like go into another mind space when I'm performing
0: yeah what is that mind space you like to get? how would you describe that in the live performance?
1: It's like fully right brain just like uh, it feels like it's just like merging with everything and it's just like. Okay. There's no thought. It's just like empty, but every, it's like full and empty at the same time. It feels really good.
0: I find that like everything in life, it's sort of like I'm in that state and I fall out of it and then I go back and forth. And it's more like noticing my mind, just like in meditation. When I, when I fall out of it, you know, you might, might have a thought like, Oh, you're, you're out of that thing or whatever. And, It's kind of like the compassion I have to myself. Instead of saying, oh, man, you know, I'm going further down that road. It's just sort of taking the next breath and diving back into the experience. All this while you're performing. Yeah. It's really that in and out, in and out. And the ease I can have to be like, just it's all good. Now back in, back in. Trust. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's
0: beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've had some pretty... Cool highlights over the last couple of years of touring. I noticed you've done some pretty really interesting spaces and sets and opening slots and your own slots. Anything that comes to mind that where you have a story where you felt like it was a particular highlight of um, how you felt, you know, in that moment.
1: Gosh, they all felt so <laughs> special and like um, there were a lot of unique um, venues, like. Playing in caves and like I don't know, there was a lot of unique ones. But the ones that, that have always stuck out to me the most um, are the ones that that I had dancers perform with me, ah. and that energy of like sharing the stage with dancers. And also when I played with the BBC Orchestra, and it's like it's like getting to wow. feel like I'm a part of a band. <laughs> well, you got Feels your really orchestra good.
0: experience. That yeah, I know, It's going coming full I know. circle.
1: Yeah. And hopefully there's a lot more of that. That's like really what I want to do more of in the future.
0: Mixing what you do with an orchestra.
1: Yeah. And like composing for orchestra, like the next album, which I just finished and is going to come out next year is written for, um, for full orchestra, if it's available, otherwise I can do it on the synthesizer. But, um, but I'm just kind of keeping that in mind now and, And writing out scores just in case there's opportunities for that.
0: That's so badass. Did you record orchestra for part of the album or is it you're saying that's how you might want to perform it live?
1: Um, I didn't record orchestra for part of the album, mostly due to resources, but for live. Um, But I wrote out all the parts for it.
0: Have you ever heard it with the orchestra yet?
1: Yeah, I heard one piece, which was when I, when I played with the BBC Orchestra. Yeah.
0: That's that's really cool. So you did an album called Tides. Was that sort of your last one?
1: No, that I actually made that in 2011, 2012. It was uh, just something that was never really released. Um, yeah, and it's a meditation album that I made for my mom then.
0: Yeah, that title has in it that it was for meditation and yoga, I think. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I was doing these like guided meditation experiences, um, like a few of them last year.
0: Yeah, I thought it was interesting that you put that in the title as opposed to not. Like, because the music, I was just curious, like, what made that album special next to the other ones you've made? that you thought it was unique for yoga and meditation?
1: Uh, well, mostly it was, my mom asked me to make her an album for yoga meditation and that was what I made. So that's exactly what it was intended for.
0: Do you ever do anything that's like um, concerts that are specifically in the yoga world or meditation world?
1: Yeah. All last year um, I did guided meditations for um, for people there were, I think like 10 of them and, um, and I'm still doing them. And, um, it's the specific meditation that was, that the music was written for.
0: Is it a guided meditation? Oh, it's both. Yeah. I guide people.
1: Yeah. I guide people for an hour through it.
0: You know, I found for myself that, um, my music, I, I often kind of really lean in pretty hard to the spirituality element, it's maybe just because my, in my own life, that's it's very connected to my own meditation, I suppose, just like play, playing music and performing. And I'm kind of chasing a, a feeling. And But I also find that the music industry and the music world, there's a sort of dominant story that puts kind of puts its nose up when you get very explicit about things like that, you know, kind of matters of the heart or even just, I mean, meditation is a little more palatable for for some, but they kind of of, uh, put that music in its own class and they don't always want to just let it stand on its own. Like it now is in a category. And I'm hearing you say that like your music plays a lot of roles for that for you and some of it explicitly so, Um, but at the same time, your other music, uh, I don't know, does it? Is it in that same class or is it more broad to you? Like, do you have kind of an ethos about how you put it out there? Like let people interpret it as they will or do you have more of any kind of mission with the music itself and its effect?
1: No, no. Like, I mean, I always have a story and an intention um, and I always share that when I release it, like what my intention for it is um, and was. But, uh, but otherwise, it's just up to whoever
0: you totally open yeah but the times you do these meditation journeys I mean that's it's sort of its own thing it's like different than when you're playing a concert it's more of like a
1: yeah I'm not actually playing live for the I'm I'm only guiding people through the meditation just like spoken I'm like speaking to everyone
0: yeah what's your background with that like where does you know what's your own practice I guess that this is stemming from
1: um, I mean, listening is my main practice and that's, um, what inspired me to write the book, which is just like my heart's poetry about listening. Um, and, and then I have a, a like deep love of the physical practice. And for me that manifests in like, um, handstands and backbends are like my physical practice. But, um, but otherwise, everything to me is listening. That's like my my heart's rock.
0: Yeah, it's really beautiful. Is it as simple as that? Is it just about the pure presence of listening, or does it go down into other layers for you of how you actually do, you listen and how it works out?
1: Um, for me, it's it's that there's infinite layers to listen to and um,
0: and interact
1: with. Um, so, whenever I do listening, it's I'm always interacting with it, and um, and like almost like it's a friend that's there with me. And so, if a thought comes in, or an image, or a sound, then I I ask it questions, and uh, and keep asking it questions until I understand it, or until I feel like peace, um, and then. Even peace they interact with, kind of everything is is like a combination of of question and then listening to what what wants to be shared.
0: Is this like a decorative question in your head and then you just give it space and sit with it and listen? Yeah. Wow. Wow, is this like a practice you do as a form of sitting meditation where you're listening and working with listening in a sense?
1: Yeah. Or walking or I kind of do it at all times. Um, Like I don't have a set listening time. Like I do it as I'm walking or I do it even as I'm like making music or even as I'm talking to people, sometimes I'm doing it.
0: (laughs) So you feel like you're in conversation with the world around you through sound in essence.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and that for me brings me a lot of comfort and joy to, to interact with with each thing that I come in contact with um, and especially the ones I find that I interact the most with the ones that that bring me discomfort because um, that tends to bring up the most amount of questions where I'm like why, why are you why are you here what's your intention you know like all these different things to try and find out what's on the other side of it
0: so you mean like you hear a sound that triggers you in a way and you dive into that process of like, w- what is it that's triggering me? Or you're actually like interacting with that sound, almost like an entity. It's like, you know, what, what is this all about? Or like and you listen for a response in a way.
1: Yes. Kind of both. It just depends on uh, the situation. Sometimes it's that interaction, like as if it was an entity or sometimes um, sometimes I'm just, sitting and listening to it and, and like patiently and compassionately listening to it until I intuitively feel like it had its space to tell me what it wanted to communicate. And now that's it's beautiful. like my turn to respond.
0: I love that. Yeah, that's beautiful. How that's would you, how would you like, uh, if you were trying to teach someone this practice or give them advice on listening, what are some things you might say?
1: Yeah, I put it all in the book. Um, you happen with, to have it on like, you? All of the instructions. <laughs> I know. I'd um, love to have you read first, some of it. Yeah, I don't have it on me, but um, but the cards are also like little exercises for it. But um, I mean, the first thing that that I would have someone do is um, relax their forehead and find like one spot in front of them. To gaze intently at, so that um, they're kind of like turning off their vision by by like using it fully, so that it switches to just like internal listening, and then and then I would just wait and see what the first thing that comes up is, and say the first thing I thought of was a toothpick. <laughs> then then I would ask like like. Uh, are you trying to communicate something literal or is this symbolism? And then I would wait or I would watch and see if it's like changing into something. And, and like, for me, I feel my best when, when I don't have thoughts. And, and so anytime that that thoughts come in, I just assume that it's trying my subconscious trying to communicate something to me. So it's like gotten to a place now where anytime I have a thought come in, I kind of treat it like an alert, like, like, uh, as if on your dashboard in your car, like the fuel light came on. And so then I just take it as an indicator that there's some maintenance I need to do. And, um, and then sometimes, sometimes like for me, when I have ideas, it's really different than thoughts. For me, when I have ideas, I actually like find myself lost in the action of actually doing it. And, and when I have thoughts, I'm just like sitting there or, or I'm walking and just have thoughts. It's not connected to the action. So that's how I personally differentiate like what's inspiration and what is just a thought that is trying to communicate something to me.
0: Wow. Let me highlight that so I understand this myself. That's, I've never heard someone differentiate between thoughts and ideas. You're saying the ideas are almost ones that are connected to action. So it's like about something you could create or creation in a way, but the thoughts are not, but at the same time, you're saying when you're in that space, when a thought comes up, you give it a lot of credence. Like it's like, it's you, you take that as the next like Avenue to go down. But most people in traditional meditation, when they have that thought, that would be like the noise. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For me that, that just never brought me to peace. And like, for me, what brought me to peace was, was like getting to the other side of each thing. And then they, they kind of emptied out because I heard them. And, um, and for me, ideas are, are like so connected or like inspiration is so connected to action for me that, that I, I don't usually have like a thought and then I'm like, I'm going to do that. It's like, I'm doing it. And I realized, like, oh, this is inspiration right now because I'm doing it.
0: Caitlin, your viewpoint on creativity, like the way you're talking about create creation, to, you know, it brings me back to the beginning of you growing up on Orcas Island. I kind of wonder if, like, if a human being can develop such an open mindedness in a way of creating, like, without that, or conversely what would happen if kids and people grew up in environments where they had such spaciousness and connectedness to nature? What are human beings like? Like what you're talking about, it uh, doesn't sound like something anyone taught you. It sounds more like something you just kind of developed and figured out through your own inquisitiveness. Do you have a teacher of this method?
1: No, I mean, really just listening, like, and I feel so bad that I keep saying the word listening, but. No, <laughs> but it's that's beautiful. Like my answer to everything is like, is like, I remember the first moment I like sat down and, and didn't have an agenda and was just like, I'm just going to listen and see what happens. And and so many things happened in there. And there were moments where I was like, I'm going to get up and do this. Or I'm going to get up and do this. But when I kept getting to the other side of things, it just kept on feeling more and more like what I always imagined peace would feel like. And, and so I just got hooked. And I was like, just this is why I wake up every day is to listen.
0: And what do you mean, get on the other side? Like, what does that look like? Is it about a spaciousness, like the thought kind of dissipates, where you figure something out? What does that mean?
1: It's kind of like, um, like if I were to create a visual for it, it's almost, it's almost like, um, like say, say I was feeling anxiety, then my, my intention. With listening, would be to figure out by just like sitting there with the intention of focusing on anxiety and letting it talk to me, letting it tell me all of its thoughts that it's having. And eventually, there's another side to it. Like it's like done telling me everything. And either I find what the cause is and then, and then I find myself doing an action for it, or, or I get to the other side and there's something wonderful there that it was protecting or like it's it's really different every time like that i've been having a lot of fun like doing these one-on-one sessions with people guiding them through listening and um and the main thing i've learned is that everyone's subconscious is so beautiful and intricate and personal and unique to them but but there are like a few common things that that happen with listening, but but it's so situational and like in the moment, interacting the way you would with a friend um, where you would want them to feel heard and like have a unique response to each thing that they say. And so it's it's kind of like that, there's no like set format except for like being a witness and just listening and having compassion to hear all of the like emotional weather and, and all that stuff.
0: What a trip. Yeah. This, what this brings up for me is uh, Ramdas talks a lot about the witness consciousness. And like, we see the show going on and you're in the seat of the witness. And I'm hearing you talk a lot about like you're in conversation in essence with the thought or And there's, it does feel like a conversation, what you're describing. Like there's almost like these, these separation of identity. And a lot of times, like you're saying, people are looking for that just really being seen, right. Or really being heard, really being witnessed. And you're kind of doing that with yourself in a way, which is so uh, profound in a lot of ways, but very simple, sort of like just allow it to kind of do its thing, really see it, really allow it and give it credence to say, well, what's what else? You know, what else needs to be said? What's behind that? And I guess you're saying at yeah. a point it cultivates a level of peace that then that's what you can be with or that sort of, it kind of exhausts as a pleasure in that sense of it being witnessed and maybe catharsis.
1: Yeah. And I feel like it's not even that it like really exhausted. It's, it's like, it's like, I don't know if, if you've ever had that feeling of where your heart really wants to say something to someone and they, they give you the space to say it. And then you also see that they understand it and they heard you. And like, it's, it's like your heart's at peace because it, it was able to, um, to fully connect
0: in Conclusion that way. of a cycle in a way. Right? From yeah. The, the genesis of that thing you want to express to being expressed to it. Yeah. rooted And almost given back to you through the witness.
1: Yeah, and I feel that way with sound, where, where I feel like sound really wants to be heard in these specific ways that are really unique to each person. And um, and I find that I make very different music if I have an agenda and, I, uh, and I'm kind of like the one leading the conversation, where if I just listen to each sound and I, and I ask it like, okay, what's the next? step what 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 else like and to let it guide me then um I tend to like the music more for me personally
0: and are you listening for like a, more of an idea that comes to you like an actionable inspiration for the next sound to put forth
1: sometimes it's sometimes it's it's that where it's just like my hands are moving and and I'm like following behind kind of and sometimes Sometimes it's like I hear the exact melody that's supposed to be there. Or sometimes I see the notation or it gets communicated in like very different ways.
0: Wow. Wow, you're blowing my mind. This is really interesting stuff. (laughs) I just didn't expect it to be so specific and so like um, unique to how you make music. You know, most people are kind of like... I don't know where it comes from. I just kind of do this. I do that. And um, I, it's so beautiful to me that it's from this place of listening. And you said that from at the beginning, that they, that's where it begins. And you're sort of looking, you're sort of like once putting up an antenna to look for where the wind is and what wants to come out in that moment. That's a lot of trust. Yeah. Oh, I like that description. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes there's no wind. I mean, there are times where you listen, and you that's you're,
1: definitely and, yeah. Usually, that's when I go to my physical practice. Is like if I feel like I'm hitting a block or like resistance or something, then if I do a bunch of handstands and backbends, I'm like <laughs> set.
0: <laughs> it's crazy to me that the two things you like to do are kind of be upside down. It's like literally invert yourself. It's like turn things one eighty in a way. Like blood yeah. to brain.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. And for a while I was I was like listening to what everyone said where there were or like a lot of people would say, like, don't do it every day. But I've I've like learned now that I have to do it every day and I have to do it multiple times a day in order to like just enjoy life.
0: A handstand <laughs> or a back bend. yeah so like the other asana practice doesn't quite do it the same way for you it's something about those two poses that really fire you up
1: yeah yeah to me they both represent uh like I don't actually know I'm still uncovering it what they do but they definitely just speak to me and and shake things up in in really special ways
0: Do do you practice yoga do you go to like yoga classes or anything like that
1: Um, I did for, for a long time and, um, and I used to teach yoga and have done a few different trainings, but right now I'm, um, just really dedicated to handstands and backbends. And I have different teachers from different backgrounds, um, that I go to. but it's very, it's very like specific to the technique and less about the flow. Like the flow comes, um, like after the technique,
0: yeah, I hear that. Do you do you see yourself uh developing more into a teacher?
1: Um, hard to say. I feel like such a student right now, so that's really hard to say.
0: I don't see why I it guess, can't. Be I both. mean,
1: I actually I remember um one of my teachers saying to me that that they never became a teacher until a student said to them, You're my teacher <laughs> and I feel like that's probably how I would approach it is like Unless someone said that to me, I probably wouldn't
0: pursue it. Well, as me witnessing just what you're saying, I don't even know you, but I'm hearing you talk about like a lot of things you figured out for yourself and that you have been working with people a little bit one-on-one. There's like a level of just sharing. I mean, call it what you want, but you have a point of view that could be worth sharing. And the the book you made, like, I'd love to get my hands on, on that. And it looks like you only made a few copies I mean, it'd be cool if you could find ways to, um, share this stuff in, in more ways. Cause I, I see like your music now actually as a manifestation of a lot of these ideas you're talking about, obviously, but most people just by listening to the music, wouldn't be able to connect the dots to reverse engineer, um, how that manifests in their daily life and the way it does for you. And I see value in that.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I want to make more, more copies of the book. And there's 11 more books. It's like a series on it. And so right now I'm writing the second one, um, which is like all about somatic hearing. It's like a different side of listening. And, and that seems to be like a really fun way to, to like just share. I keep on calling it my heart's poetry because I feel, I feel like I'm like still learning it all. So I, it feels safe to say heart poetry.
0: <laughs> You've already, you know, almost like a vision that there's 11 of these.
1: Yeah. Cause I've gone or like, these are like the, there's 12 total. And these are like the 12 different sides of listening that I've learned through the years um, that I rely on like every day. And, um, and they all have like different fun, weird idiosyncrasies, but are kind of like a game so it's it's like a fun game
0: <laughs> would it be too much to ask what those 12 are or is that just too you don't want to just list it out
1: oh um i think it'd be better to like um i can tell you what the first two are there's listening sure. and somatic hearing and um and they and then i'll slowly just like share them and i'm yeah. not i'm not saying it's because of um because I'm like worried or anything like that. Uh, but I'm only not saying it because I find that the title of it, um, changes from person to person, depending on what their language is. And I haven't fully heard yet. What like the, the like name is that I'm going to call each one besides like listening and somatic hearing.
0: Yeah. And it it feels trite for me to even ask. So I don't know, but I also felt like I had to ask. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it'd well, be kind of cool. In some ways, this could be crazy. I don't It's just an idea, but almost like an app where there's a digital format of the cards, which it's like choose your own adventure. And it's taking you through the exercise and you can interact with it to like give you the further prompts and maybe your music or something, your voice is in there as opposed to having to read it. So you can really like zone out close your eyes and go on that process
1: oh that's fun i don't know how to make an app but that's that's a fun idea i do want to record the um like one of the tides meditations because that there's a few different versions of it um which are like different aspects of listening and um and i do want to record one of those
0: so, like to turn it into like with a meditation on it you're saying
1: Yeah. Just kind of share. Yeah. And
0: just share that for free, like to people. Very cool. So what are the things in your personal life? Like I hear that you have this very active, ongoing, pervasive process of listening and working with what you hear. What are the areas that is sort of like your edge right now or a friction for you that's sort of stumbling you up? And it might be something very mundane, um, but it's also... For people to help just relate, you know, everyone goes through their own thing, but you have such a unique viewpoint. I'm curious what that is for you.
1: Yeah, just in my life in general or in music?
0: Either or. Just kind of well, walking your walk. For me right now, you
1: know? yeah. For me right now, um, a big, like, thing I keep stumbling at, uh, but I'm also just like endlessly curious about it is, um, is dance is something to me that I'm kind of in that friction space with where, um, I still haven't learned if it's like, like what it is about dance, but, um, but I know that it's something that is, is like putting a lot of pressure on me right now. And, um, and I don't know yet if it's like the symbolism of dance or if it's like literally dancing. (laughs) Um, and it's something that, that I put time towards every day, like meditating on and I even like take dance classes and I'm trying to understand what, what it is about dance that keeps on like very loudly getting my attention. So I don't know yet. It's it's different than
0: sound, right? Like, it's very different. It's a yeah. very different language.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I had an experience I just want to share with you with your music. Um, when we set this up, I just wanted to get into your world more and I was listening to I so down here in southern Utah at this spot, it's sort of like a big slick rock canyon and this big expansive views. It's high elevation, so there's amazing stars and the Milky Way. And I built a sauna out here. It's one of the only things I have. And I was having a sauna and I was playing your album Tides. And, you know, I do the hot and you do the cold dunk thing. And you do the cold dunk and sort of it stops your brain. Like everything just goes into that spaciousness. And it went into that spaciousness and your music was playing through the sauna. The window was open. And there was this moment where the music blended like perfectly with the crickets all around me. And it just, Aww. hit. it just hit one of those spots of, of like perfection where something created before that's being played now, like the crickets were singing with it. And it just felt just like that moment of timelessness. That was really, really cool. While I was looking at the stars and it's just like, Oh my God. Oh, awesome. that's
1: so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Wow. Thank you.
0: There's something really cool, you know, for folks who don't know your music, I'm excited for them to go check it out. You know, it's, it's coming from this electronic space, you know, on the most fundamental level, but it's conveying something so organic. And and how it was interacting in that moment with something literally like uh, an insect was kind of a personification of that. It was just really cool. And I don't, I don't know if that's something you do just naturally with how you grew up or something you think about, but you definitely, it feels to me like you're sort of a translator of, sort of this uh, machine world into the, or the organic in a sense. And is, is that intentional?
1: Wow, that means so much to me. I really appreciate that. Um, just that sentence of like a translator of the, uh, like the machine world to the organic. That, that just means a lot to me to hear that. Um,
0: because you feel it's true? or something you want to do, or or you just like how that sounds?
1: (laughs) I just, I just would really love to, to be associated with that. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I guess my, yeah, my main intentions are like, besides listening, I have a really deep love of electricity and, that's actually what like the new album is about is it's like my love album to electricity. Oh
0: and, my God. Um, Where does that come from? And I mean from? that in
1: like, I've, I've always felt that way. I've always like, and I think that's my fascination with bends and handstands is like, now I'm learning about the electricities of the body. And like, there's just like so, so much uh, to learn about electricity and, and it like animates so many things in life. And it's also from nature and so it's like something that I just feel really connected to and
0: your music is literally taking electricity and turning it into sound
1: I, I know mean, it's so fun literally <laughs> it's so like, neat. It,
0: yeah like yeah. sort of a direct line there actually
1: yeah um, I
0: don't know maybe you're like some incarnation of Tesla or like the electrical current has taken human form to, to speak through. Its oh
1: my gosh. That's Brushstroke of beauty. Oh,
0: <laughs> that's great. That's very, that's, that's wild to me. Do you have any other idiosyncratic things that you're super into? You've got electricity, <laughs> headstands, backbends. These are just the things um, you're someone who, who definitely follows your inspiration. It sounds like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of my friends tell me I'm very specific.
0: That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. you also have to be confident. I mean your parents raised you well to give you a level of like, yeah, go explore that. do that. you know if, if that's interesting to you, dive in.
1: It's funny because like I wouldn't actually call myself a very confident person. Um, but I but I definitely have like a lot of of like uh, like excitement to follow things, like follow different paths. But,
0: uh, yeah, it's a passion, there's yeah, a strength and that. that's the yeah. word. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 But I actually have to get going. Um it's
0: yeah, yeah.
1: almost four thirty. But I really appreciate all your questions and it was a really enjoyable conversation.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And um where can people find you? Where's the best way to interface besides just looking you up on music services?
1: Um I mean, Instagram, I interact with people a lot. So if they, if they want to interface, um, that's usually the best one. The other yeah. social medias, I, I don't tend to go on, Okay. but, um, but yeah, that one is pretty good.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Yeah. There it is. Thank you so much to Caitlin for giving us her time and sharing a bit about her process. I really, really enjoyed that. Do check out her music. Check her out on Instagram. I'll put those links below. Um, I hope to be able to see her live myself. This music you're hearing in the background is the song Rooted, but that was from the album Held, but it's like the solo piano version. So check it out if you'd like to check it out. I'm not sure if this particular version is released, but uh, the song Rooted is on the album Held. Thanks for giving this album, this album, this podcast a review. Just give it, give it five stars if you can. If you're on iTunes or Apple podcasts or write a little review, it makes a big difference. Really working to get up to the hundred ratings mark. And, um, you can, I think you can do it more than once if you like. So do it right now. Just, just go down there and and tell me, tell me what you like about or tell other people. It helps me get cool guests and it helps me, um, Get other people to to dive in and take a listen. Uh, I'll be continuing to play on the road. I'll be in China in November. That's right. All of China, no, I'll be in um I think in Shenzhen in middle of November and the ramdas retreat in early December. and there's a couple other gigs throughout the year coming up. So yeah check it out and the Aubrey Marcus part podcast came out last week as on his podcast and a lot of you guys have been enjoying that conversation he's a really cool guy had some cool things to say so if you want to hear that podcast head over to Aubrey Marcus's podcast super cool dude um, I think I'm doing something with him in December in LA too as part of his um, kind of like year-long workshop thing he has all right I'm gonna stop talking so you can hear a little bit of this music and you guys keep walking your walk Don't take any shit, but if you do, you do with grace.